and uh, it was good to hear the report and the testimony uh, from our dear brother, uh, Brother Polanco, and certainly uh, I enjoy his fellowship. And um, you, when God gives you a friend, it's, it's, it's different than an acquaintance. And certainly in our church, God has given us brothers and sisters in Christ and friendships. And uh, I enjoy when you're with a friend God gives you, uh, just the next time you see them, you just pick up from where you left off. And you don't even have to speak the same language. And I certainly appreciate uh, the Polancos being here tonight, him and his, his dear wife. And my first time there, um, he gave me a nickname, and I think it fits. Y'all want to hear what it is? El Jefe. The boss, the boss. So, not you, me. Yeah, me. Uh, but uh, we had a we have a, we had some of you been down there, and I, I hope that we get to take a trip down there again and take some of you down. There's a great reminder. No, I've already said it's a great reminder that God's working around the world, and it's also a good reminder for us uh, of the reach that God has enabled our church to have. Um, here's a dear brother and those people down there, and it is a vibrant church. It is a vibrant church. And uh, they, they do it the same way we do it. It's the same gospel. It's the same, same, same methods of soul winning. It's the same hymns that we sing. Uh, it, they do it the, the, the same way. And so uh, it works everywhere. Uh, but that's in our, yeah, it reminds me of our Reaching Spanish Nations um, uh, missions ministry, our aviation ministry that uh, we've been able to get started, but also Operation Light, as we spoke about last week. Uh, assisting those nationals in Africa, starting churches there, and those that have a part, all, we have a part in all over the world. And so let's never, let's, let's never lose focus. Let's never lose sight of the opportunity we have uh, to have a part in what God is doing around the world. And certainly don't lose sight of what we have the opportunity to be a part of here. And I'm excited about what God is doing here. And so you pray for them. You pray for them. Pray for this dear brother. Uh, God has allowed him to have influence amongst uh, churches and preachers there. And so I want you to pray for him and pray for God to continue to empower them. And I look forward to seeing uh, great reports in the future. First Thessalonians chapter number 1. The message tonight is going to uh, perhaps seem a little bit like a Bible study. Um, and I'm going to go ahead and uh, kind of let you know what to be prepared for tonight. We're going to read the first 10 verses, all 10 verses of 1 Thessalonians chapter number 1. Um, I don't know if I'll get through everything tonight. I have uh, eight statements about this chapter, about the message tonight that I want to make. And if you pay attention, you know that usually I get through about half of that. And so uh, I am prepared to cut this off uh, when I need to cut it off and pick up again uh, next Sunday night. Uh, but if I move pretty quickly, then I'll just I'll move I'll move through. Uh, but I don't want you to despair uh, after I say number four. I then go to number five and, and move on from there. But uh, there's some things here that I want us to be helped with. Um, as we get a little bit closer to the fall, I'm going to take Sunday nights, and I'm going to use our Sunday night service to really put an emphasis and a focus uh, on soul winning, how to win a soul. There'll be some Sunday nights that'll feel more like a classroom and just go through. It's good for us to be refreshed uh, in, in how to win a soul. It'll be some, it'll be the first time you learn how to win a soul, uh, what it means, what the Great Commission means, how to fulfill the Great Commission, how our Sunday school program works in with that. And so I'm going to preach a, a, for a while a series of messages uh, along those lines on Sunday night. And so I'm going to preach a few messages through the summer to kind of get us ready for that. And tonight is one of those messages. 
messages. So look with me at 1 Thessalonians chapter number 1, beginning with verse number 1. Paul and Silvanus and Timotheus unto the church of the Thessalonians, which is in God the Father, in the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith and labor of love and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of God and our Father. Knowing, brethren, beloved, your election of God. For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power, and the Holy Ghost, and in much assurance. As ye know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. And ye became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction, with joy of the Holy Ghost. So that ye were in samples to all that believe in Macedonia and Achaia, for whom you sounded out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place, your faith to God were to spread abroad, so that we need not to speak anything. For they themselves show of us what manner of entering in we had unto you, and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God, and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. I want to look in this passage of Scripture tonight, this first chapter of First Thessalonians, and I want to preach on this subject, a pattern for the church from ancient Christians. A pattern for the church from ancient Christians. Let's ask the Lord to help us. Father, we thank you again uh, for the opportunity we have to assemble together. We thank you for the freedom uh, in which we assemble. Uh, we thank you for the Word of God and what you've already done today. We thank you for the good reports of what you're doing in other places in this world. And Father, may we be reminded tonight that uh, the gospel is the most important thing that uh, your church is to be concerned about. May we look into your word tonight. May the Spirit of God uh, remind us of some truths and uh, instruct us in a way that would inspire us, uh, that we would compel us to do more uh, for the cause of Christ, more in advancing uh, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Bless your people tonight, for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The Apostle Paul writes this letter to the churches, the church at uh, Thessalonica. Uh, Thessalonica was an uh, interesting place during this time, it was an important place during this time, uh, and uh, certainly the Apostle Paul had been instrumental in the planning of churches in this part of the world. I want to just give you a little bit of a background as we, we get a sense of this from uh, this letter tonight. Uh, the Thess Thessalonica was not a Christian place. It was a worldly place. It was a, your typical pagan, worldly city at this time. Inside of this worldly place, a child of God would face persecution. A child of God would face uh, persecution ranging from uh, the persecutions you can imagine, ranging from uh, mocking to imprisonment and even death. And so they faced a lot of persecution. And may we be reminded that God's people have always faced persecution. Uh, this world has never been on the same page as God. But such was certainly true in this time. In this pagan land, uh, these churches and, the, and these Christians faced this uh, over and over. I, my mind goes back to Demas. And if you recall, as we uh, spent that time in, in, in that series, Ministry Companions, and we see in 2 Timothy chapter number 4, we're reminded that Paul said, Demas hath forsaken me. What did he say? Having loved this present world. Well, if you look in that passage of Scripture, you find that Demas who forsook Paul, Demas who loved this present world, where did Demas go? He went to Thessalonica. 
That was where all of the festivities of the world, if you, if you will, that was where things were happening as far as the world would go. So he left Paul and Paul's missionary journey, and he went, having loved this present world, and he went to Thessalonica. Uh, this was uh, not a place that where that, that the, um, uh, the gospel was readily received, although there were many converts and there were active churches there. And I just want to give you that background to see as Paul is writing a letter to these Christians. It's important for us to understand as he writes this letter to these Christians who lived in this pagan world. And by the way, uh, we know that America is more pagan than it has ever been. We know that it's further away from God than it has ever been. But friend, there, there are, there, there's a good, this is a good-sized crowd here this evening. Uh, we're not the only believers uh, in Jacksonville, Florida. Uh, I mean, all believers ought to be a part of this church, but that, that's my opinion. But anyway, uh, we're not the only believers in Jacksonville, Florida. We're not the only believers in our, in our country. Uh, we, we talk about these places where Paul would pioneer and plant that first church. That was the, not just the first church, the only church. Uh, the only Bible believers, the only ones who would stand against the, the pagan, the only ones uh, who would uh, not go the way of, of the gods that they served. And so that is the, the place that we speak of when Paul is writing to these churches. Now I want us to look in these 10 verses and I want us to uh, see some things uh, that I believe is a good pattern for the church today. Uh, as you know, your pastor is not looking for any new ways to do it. I'm not looking for a new gospel because there's only one gospel. I'm not losing, looking for new methods because the old methods still work if you'll work the old methods. I'm not looking for what the world is doing that is hip and that is, that, that is on the cutting edge. I, I believe in doing things right. I believe in doing things first class as we do. But the old gospel still works. The old book still works. The, the pattern for the church is on the pages of Scripture. I cannot tell you the last time I read a book of surveys of how a church ought to be uh, run and what people think about how a church ought to be run. You know why I can't tell you why I can't recall that? Because I've never read one. Because I have the Word of God that tells me as a church what we are supposed to do when it comes to the gospel. We're supposed to advance the gospel of Christ. Now here is a pattern that I think we would do well as the Emmanuel Baptist Church to follow. And if we would do well, truly any church would do well to follow this pattern from these ancient Christians. I want us to notice in verse number 2 again, Paul writes and he says, We give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers. I want us to notice, first of all, the prayers for the church. I want you to think about the Apostle Paul. And we've spent much time uh, through the months in, in these Wednesday night series and even on Sunday night uh, preaching about the ministry of the Apostle Paul and what the Word of God has for us through his ministry. I want you to think about the perspective that the Apostle Paul had in this, 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 this new church, these, these Christians who had forsaken their pagan lifestyle and, and, and believed on the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. The affection that he had in his heart as he addressed these dear Christians uh, with this letter and, and the prayers that he had for them. He let them know that I'm praying for you. Now, it is a big deal. It is something for us to take notice of if anybody prays for us. And it's wonderful to hear that others are praying for us and, and I'm praying for you. Friend, there's nothing greater that you can do for another Christian than pray for them. There's nothing you can do for, for, for anybody else than go to the throne of God on their behalf and pray for them. He speaks to these Christians, says, right out of the gate, I want you to know I am praying for you. We give thanks to God 
always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers. Wouldn't it be wonderful if Christians made a mention of others once again in their prayers? We go to God and ask God for what we need, and we should do that. We should go to God and petition the throne of God and His, his magnificence and His mercy and, 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 and the multitude of things that He has access to. We should go to God on our behalf, but we should make mention of others in our prayers. Let me ask you tonight, church, who else have you prayed for lately? You've prayed for your needs. Have you made mention of others? The missionaries we support, have you made mention of them in your prayers? If you have, that's the greatest thing that we can do. I think of the Apostle Paul, and as he prays for them, he lets them know he's praying for them. I imagine that prayer was just a little bit different than a casual prayer. I imagine that he prayed for them to have strength to be faithful. My prayer for every member of this church is that we remain faithful to the Lord calls us home and faithfulness and strength in carrying the burdens that we carry in facing the things that we face. Boy, having the heart of a pastor and being a pastor now for, for some time and, and knowing that this is what God has for me, God puts the heart of a pastor in a pastor and the heart that he has for his people, I can only imagine as the Apostle Paul mentions to these Christians that I make mention of you in your prayers. Can you imagine the encouragement that they received? That Paul is praying for us. And by the way, we ought to make mention of others in our prayers. And it's okay to let them know from time to time that you're praying for them. Because it might be a time of discouragement. It might be a time when they wonder if they're going to get through and Knowing that somebody else is speaking to God on their behalf might be the very bit of encouragement they need to press on. But I imagine he prayed for their faithfulness, but I believe he also prayed for laborers. He prayed for those who would do the work of God there in that church. I believe he prayed for new converts. See, if, you're gonna, if we as a church are going to labor in prayer for others, that, that is what, exactly what it is, is labor. It's making a point to pray. But there's a good pattern for us as the Apostle Paul prays for the church. He gives thanks to God, making mention of them in their prayers. I notice in verse number three, um, he speaks of remembering without ceasing. Look at verse number three. Remembering without ceasing your work of faith and labor of love and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of God and our Father. Uh, their testimony, their work. If, we know, if we've learned anything about the Apostle Paul through the months, he was very aware of his co-laborers and the sacrifices they made. He was very aware of the price that was paid for the cause of Christ. He was very aware of, of the struggle. He's very aware of the dedication. And here we have a reminder as he reminds these people that he remembers without ceasing their work of faith. Can I challenge all of us tonight? Our work of faith is a testimony to somebody. We shouldn't want to be a stumbling block, and if you quit, you're a stumbling block. I think it's a good point for me just to remind us. Sometimes we say, well, if, if, I, if I quit and I don't do what, what I should do, then, 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 then it only affects me. That's not true. Somebody's watching. It can discourage somebody, but let's flip that. Friend, when you continue to go on in spite of your circumstances, in spite of your burden, in spite of your hardship... It is a good testimony for someone else. 
Well, it's going to be a sad day when the modern-day Christian uh, bumps into these ancient Christians in heaven one day when, when the sacrifices they have made, the stand they have taken, and it, it, Paul was reminding them, I, remembered what, I remember what you're doing. I take note of the testimony that you have. Notice what he says in verse number 3, Remember without ceasing your work of faith. Faith gets God's attention, but the work of faith, when God blesses that, gets the attention of others. That's what we, we have, we didn't, we have a responsibility as God, as we step out by faith. I want God to bless this church. I want God to do great things through this church. I want God to be honored that, that we think he's worthy to to set our own uh, uh, limitations aside and say, God, we believe you. We believe you can still do a great work. We believe that. But, friend, when a group of people do that work of faith, it is a testimony to others. It shows that, yes, it can still be done. I don't know why God has had us on the long journey he's had us on, but I know as trees fall and buildings go up, it's going to be a testimony of the work of faith. It's going to be a testimony that God still blesses faith, and the work of faith can be done. He remembers without ceasing, he says, their labor of love. The work of God is just that, is work. It's not easy. Parents, if you're going to rear your children according to the things of God, you're going to have to labor in that. If a church, and you people, it's not just the pastor, the people have got one or two for for decades, this church has fought to remain as this church is, founded on the Word of God, standing on the Word of God is labor. To win people to Christ is labor. But that love compels us. That love for Him. That love for our Savior. That love for others. Well, we shouldn't have to... If we, 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 when we, we get to the place where I don't know if I want to do it, we need to take our eyes off ourselves and look at our Savior... And that labor of love. But he also mentions in this verse the patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul had met Jesus on that road to Damascus. Paul had been a part of firsthand knowledge of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul is preaching a resurrected Savior. Obviously, they didn't have the means of media in those days that we have. It was all word of mouth. It was by faith to say, well, how? Well, what proof do they have? The Spirit of God worked in their heart, just like the Spirit of God worked in your heart when you fell under conviction. And just like there's times we may not like what this Bible says, but the Spirit of God says that's true. We know it's true. We may not always like the preacher from behind the pulpit, there's a, but there's a Spirit of God that makes us uncomfortable or says, well, that's exactly right. You remember, I, I, I remember uh, winning someone to Christ not too long ago, and, and they said, as you were talking to me, they felt like there was somebody else talking to me. Who was that? It was the Spirit of God. It's the Holy Spirit, that patience of hope, that resurrected Christ, that was their hope. That was their hope, and he reminds them of the patience of hope. I then next see number four. I want to draw your attention to the word knowing. Knowing, brethren, beloved, your election of God. He acknowledges that they were secure in their salvation. And friend, if you're saved tonight, you don't have to worry about staying saved. Now, if you've never put your faith in Christ, you need to be concerned about that. But it's called the finished work of Calvary. There's nothing else that needs to be done. 
Jesus did it all. Well, I'm going to need to do this and this and this. No, to be saved, you just need to put your faith in what Jesus did. Because if there's anything you've got to do, anything I've got to do, then there's works in that. And that's not salvation by grace. It is, it is all of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he uses that word, knowing, brethren, beloved, your election of God. He knew of their testimony of salvation. And he knew that when you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you are saved and you are secure. And friend, tonight, you and I can go through this pagan world. What he, see, why would he point that out? It's good for all, us, all of us to remember our salvation. But let me remind you of the pagan world that I very briefly described to you that they lived in. As they go out into this pagan world, he wanted them to know that they were saved. And the, 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 the polyistic culture they had and with all of the different gods and all, for all the different things, as all those that are bombarded with all of those things in that culture and that society from unsaved loved ones to just the world they lived in, he wanted them to know they're saved because they believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. And friends, we go into this world that is a secular world, is not for God, is not for the things of God. You and I need to be reminded of what Christ did. His, his finished work on Calvary, uh, they had a testimony of salvation. They were secure in salvation. We, we move along very quickly tonight. We get to number four. Look at me in verse number five. For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power. And the Holy Ghost in a much assurance, as you know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. Paul now speaks of the delivery of the gospel. And I'll spend a few minutes here, and this may be where I cut off this evening. As far as gospel came not unto you in word only. Now let me remind you, in case um, you're not very familiar with the word of God, or you look at this casually. Paul was not speaking of his version of the gospel. He was not speaking of his interpretation of the gospel. When Paul says our gospel, he's speaking of the gospel that the Lord Jesus Christ personally Hand it to them. We'd be looking at this on Wednesday night. And then Paul committed that to Timothy. It was the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Aren't you thankful that the same gospel that Paul took his quill, when he took his quill and he dipped it in that ink and he penned this letter, the same gospel that he was referring to as he wrote those Christians is the same gospel we have today. It's the same gospel we were saved by. It's still the same message that we should be, be, be proclaiming today. Uh, he speaks of that gospel. I say that because it's good for us to be reminded that Jesus still saves. Jesus is still the answer. The gospel is still what be, must be preached and propagated. The, the gospel is still what the church is to be built on. But I want to draw extra attention tonight to the delivery of the gospel. Notice what he says about the gospel verse number 5. He came not unto you, for our gospel came not unto you in word only. This is where we differentiate those today that if you put our statements of faith next to each other, they could check all the boxes, but there's something missing. They are stating the gospel in word only. And that's why if, 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 you, if you need help in your soul, and you can state it in word only, but there's something different. And today, and to get off on a little bit of a rabbit trail, but it's good for us to be reminded, especially as we train more preachers, um, there's some things that you need in your own life as you proclaim the gospel. And he says it's not just in word only. Now, I'm thankful that the gospel is the most powerful message 
that it has ever been. But notice what he says. He says, we didn't just bring it in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost and in much assurance. The difference in Paul and Silas and Timothy as they write this letter and being involved in the, in, the, in, the, in the reaching of these people and the planning of these churches is they brought the gospel, but not just in word. They had the power of the Spirit of God on their life and ministry. There are a lot today who have the word of the gospel, but they've got no power as they preach the gospel. They've got no power as they give the gospel. And the book of Acts speaks of that Acts 1-8 mandate, going to all the world, the Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the othermost. But before he said go, he said get on you the power of the Spirit of God. There's a lot of organizations today, missions and otherwise, that say we're going to reach the world. You can't reach it, first of all, without the word, without the gospel. You can't reach it, second of all, without the power of the Spirit of God. It is the power of the Spirit of God that moves men. It is the power of the Spirit of God that changes lives. And quite frankly, what we need to be concerned about as the Emmanuel Baptist Church, first of all, we know we have the gospel. We know we have the truth because the Word of God proclaims it. That's not in the question this evening. And if you, are, if you have doubts about if this is the Word of God, I'll be glad to help you with that. But as you put your measure of faith in the gospel, we need the power it has to be in power. He says, I didn't just come to you in word. We came to you in the power of the Spirit of God. In the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is not working your flesh up with a second-rate band and throwing the name of God in every once in a while. That's the flesh. The Spirit of God, you, that, that chokes the Spirit of God, the Scripture tells us. In Holy Ghost, you can be in the most unusual places and the still small voice of the Spirit of God can do what no man can do. When we try and manufacture the Spirit of God, you know what we get? We get the same emptiness that we came in with. We don't get any change. That's why a lot of these churches, they advertise that we just come as you are so you can leave as you are. When the Spirit of God is involved, you can't leave the same. You can't leave without being changed. You can't leave without being affected. You can reject the Spirit of God, but when the power of the Holy Spirit of God is there, it makes a difference. If you're saved tonight, it's because of the conviction of the Spirit of God. If, if God has changed your life, and certainly He has, it's the work of the Spirit of God. He says, we came to you, we delivered the gospel, not a word only. What makes the difference in a church that grows and reaches people with the gospel, what makes a difference in the church that reaches around the world and makes a difference in eternity is not just having it. In, now, you have to have it in word, but it's having the power that goes with it. It's having the Holy Ghost involvement. He's not going to be involved if you grieve him. It's, next he says, we have come with much assurance. I don't understand 
those who call themselves a preacher, that they put doubts in the minds of their people about their salvation. My job is not even to, not just to preach the gospel, not just to preach salvation, but to assure us that this book tells us that God is able to keep us. Hey, he's not a very big God if He can't save you and keep you saved. And this book teaches us that we are sealed unto that day of redemption. We are in the hand of the Father and no man can pluck us out. Friend, a big part of the responsibility of your pastor is just to get up and remind you of what the Spirit of God has already told us, what the Spirit of God through the Word of God has already taught us, and reminds you that you can trust God, you can trust the Word of God, and the, the Word of God is sure, and your salvation is secure in Him. There's a great judgment coming for those who put seeds of doubt in the minds of men. Remember how mixed up you were before you got saved? Remember how confused you were? And when you trusted Christ as your Savior, what a peace that gave you. I, I couldn't imagine going through this world lost, not knowing for certain I'm saved. But when I go to bed at night, I... I, I, I I sleep. I'm not worried about what happens to me if I don't wake up. I know my eternity is secure. Why do we want to make men miserable by putting a doubt in their mind about salvation? He says, I've delivered the gospel. We have delivered the gospel not in word only, but in power, in the Holy Ghost. In much assurance. This is the difference. Christian, if you want to take your, your soul winning to a different level, yes, you have the words, but you need the power behind it. Quite frankly and bluntly, you can't live like the devil all week and talk to people about Jesus. The Spirit of God is it's not you, it's not your winning personality that's going to win anybody to Christ. It's the Spirit of God, and as He works through us, He, he, he brings conviction to the heart of another. I can, I can work hard at alliterating a, a message, which I, I never alliterate my messages. I do work kind of hard to getting my message together. I can labor. I can, I can prepare. I can even get a multimedia presentation prepared and I can dazzle you as I expound the scripture and I explain how much I've studied and how much of the Bible I have come to know. But without the Spirit of God, without the move of the Holy Spirit, we have just wasted our time because it is the power of the Spirit of God that changes the heart of men. That is the difference. I hope that the difference in the Emmanuel Baptist Church is the fact that the Spirit of God is real. The Spirit of God is evident. The music is... Haven't you enjoyed the music today like you do every week? This is where many are making a mistake. They want to have their music program... To make the to appeal to the people. We don't have our music to appeal to you. 
Our music's to appeal to him. Well, those that are, that are unchurched and those that, 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 that don't know the things of God, want them to come and be a part. Does that not sound as stupid to you as it does to me? I know you're not supposed to use stupid from the pulpit, but think about what we've just said. Um, a lost person is going to feel uncomfortable in a, in a Bible preaching church. Not because we make them, you know, you shouldn't work at making them feel uncomfortable. But it's the Spirit of God working in their life. And more than any, I want every one of you to be in this church. I want those who are not here tonight, I want them to be in this church. I want people who are not even aware that we're here. As we, as we, as we, as we grow and we reach more people and we get more space and we invite them, and we, I want everybody who can come to come. But more important than that, more important than a full building, more important than a bigger building than this preacher is if the Holy Spirit is present. If the Holy Spirit is welcome. This is the difference, and I'll, I'll close with this. We'll get to the rest of this next week. What did Paul mean in verse number five? As I was studying this chapter, and he says, Our gospel came not only to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost, and in much assurance. You know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. What he was saying is, what we brought was real. It was real. Friend, the gospel is real. The Spirit of God is real. The power of the gospel is real. What this world needs is not a watered-down Christianity, but it needs an empowered Christianity. What your home needs, what your, fa- what your family needs, what your community needs, what this world needs is to see the gospel preached in word, but we need to be remind this world that it is real. Hey, friend, if you're saved tonight, you are on your way to hell, but now you're on your way to heaven. It is a real gospel. It is a real change. It is a real redemption. And friend, these words in this book are real and true. The Spirit of God is true. And quite frankly, people can tell what is real and what's not. What we need is we need Christians who are real. We need churches who are real. We are fairly organized as a church. We have a protocol for things. For example, the music is what the music is because we practice. We have certain things that we want. The, the schedule is done. Nursery, we have procedures. Parking lot, we have procedures. Just go wherever you want. You know, we, we, we have, but I hope and I believe that when people come, they don't say it like this, but they talk of, there's just a spirit there. And if you hadn't noticed, there's been no smoke machines. There's been no flashing lights. Because the spirit of God is real. And it's, I didn't intend for it to necessarily go this way, but the Holy Spirit, who is real, kind of takes me places. 
It is harder work to get the empowerment of the Spirit of God than it is to try and manufacture that which is not real. See, why are, God, why, why are guys who know about why are they going that way? Because it's work. It's, it's, it's counting the cost to have the Spirit of God. That's why the Emmanuel Baptist Church, quite frankly, we're not going to embrace everything that this world does. We're not going to embrace what everybody who names the name of Christ embraces because we want the Spirit of God because it is real. It's real. Friend, this is the first part of these, this pattern for, of these ancient Christians I think we'd be wise in following. Father, help us tonight.